Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Broners Podcast. My name's Scotty P, your host with the most. Joining me today, all the way from Northern Virginia, is my friend Imran Selig. Say what's up, bro. What's up, everybody? Um, everybody said my name's Imran. I work up north in uh, Northern Virginia. Um, know Scotty for what, six, nine months now? Nine months? This is when we first met each other? Yeah, it has to be because that was like... Um, no, think, probably over a year now. Yeah, it has you, to be over you a year. Two, you've had two contracts since, so... Um, yeah, because yeah. three. we did three assignments at at uh fairfax. that hospital yeah fairfax yeah. and then uh we'll, we did we'll a, cut that part out <laughs> yeah whatever and then we did uh, an assignment in uh gw so and yep. then so, i'm on like assignment number two down here so it's been a minute because right, you guys you guys resigned three times in northern virginia mm-hmm. once up north a little bit and then back down to florida so that's cool um yes yeah, so we've known each other for a little bit yeah um dude. came on the podcast talk about some ish some ultrasound stuff. Some real ish, motherfucker. No, Imran's got a cool new gig that he's starting up. Tell us a little bit about it, bro. Yeah, so I uh, for the for the ER that I work in. So again, I'm a EMT. I work in the ED at one of the hospitals up in Northern Virginia. Um, I lead the ultrasound IV training program uh, and flash insertion um, competency stuff for the ER. Um, so a lot of people know what ultrasound is. You know that you know use it for babies and such like that. So same technology used to gain uh, peripheral vascular access um, and even central, but obviously that's more for providers and such. Um, but yeah, so hopefully turning that into a better training program, trying to train up some of the ICUs at work and some of the other people uh, that are real interested. It's a really cool skill. It is, dude. It's pretty badass, man. I tried it a couple times with your tutelage course. Yeah. And uh, it's fucking hard, man. It's not easy. It's not easy at first. I will say that. It's not easy at first. Um, I went through some of the data, uh, and I think I've put in just under 3,500 ultrasound-guided IV lines. Damn. My last three, four years working. You're like a ultra, ultrasounder. Uh, ultra, ultrasounder. You're like right? an ultron. Like a like an ultra guru at the moment. Like an ultra guru. Learn from some really good docs at work, and, you know, develop it to a pretty good program we do training um we use a couple cool models we'll talk about later um so in case anybody's got questions you guys can reach out I'll let you guys know how to start your own ultrasound stuff at work if uh you know if that's stuff you're into dude everybody should be into it because it's a fucking badass skill it's like no it's like being the 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 dude to go to on the unit to start ivs you know everybody wants to be that that one that's like oh should i got a really tough one you know everybody right. wants to be that that person that they go to for, you know, yeah, until you know. so there's, there's probably about five, five or so probably elite status IV inserters at work right now. Right. Amongst a list of about 15 that can ultrasound. There's probably about five of us that are like, that know, are just, head head oh, just fucking OGs with it. Yeah. That's gangsta dude. It's hard. So how exactly does that shit work? So it's a lot of muscle memory and it's a lot of hand-eye coordination. That's all it is. If you played video games growing up, usually you're pretty good at it. Um, so when you're inserting, normally you use your dominant hand and you're going to continue using your dominant hand. But now the ultrasound, there's a probe that's attached to a cord to the machine 
Um, so the ultrasound probe emits, um, you know, sound waves and it creates a picture like that. Um, so that placed on the arm, you're going to use on your non-dominant hands, you're going to hold that, and then your dominant hand's going to insert. And pretty much on the screen, all you're going to see is the picture of the vein, and then your needle, eventually, once it's inserted through the skin, you can physically guide it all the way into the vein, and then advance it through the vein so you can have a better um, better shot. You know, the statistics are out there. I mean, the, the science is there. Um, normal IV insertion rate, first-time attempt, is like 65 to 70% success rate. Unless it's um, me, then it's like 99. Right, if it's us, then yeah, it's you know, 99. 99.9999998%. Exactly. Yeah. I think that was the last um, but, time I did the numbers on myself. I think that was. <laughs> for the lesser for the lesser of us, um, <laughs> the ultrasound guided first time insertion a success rate's like ninety one percent. So nice. The numbers speak for itself. That's dope, dude. Except again, it's like the flip of you know the manual insertion. For me, if it's right. ultrasound, it's like a zero point zero zero chance that I'm gonna get it. Right. I mean, and that's just, it's the, the familiarity with how to do it and, you know, the muscle memory of no longer looking at your hands, everything's on the screen and understanding, you know, a millimeter of movement on your left is how big on the screen. Right. So on and so forth. You can get really good at measurements, um, like 2.1 centimeters, stuff like that really starts to make sense on a vascular access scale like that. But, um, no, it's cool. I mean, it definitely takes a lot of training just like anything else, right? You don't, you don't get good at normal IVs overnight. Mm -hmm. Same thing as the ultrasound. Um, so we have a pretty good competency thing of, you know, super users or people, trainers to watch other people do them at work. And I think it's a cool program off. that they're doing there. Like, I, I think a lot of hospitals should, like, implement something like that. Yeah, I think it's like a, it's like a benefit, um, you know, cost-benefit analysis almost where it's just right. like, how much does it cost to train people? What's the benefit of it? Where most hospitals are just like, hey, if you know how to do it and you're, you're confident, have at it, which I hate. I can't stand that because I'm just like... 80% of the people that come in like, oh, you know, I, you know, I know how to ultrasound. I'll watch them like, this is terrible technique. You know, you're putting the patient at risk. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to is cost and patient risk. Yeah, with the cost-benefit analysis, I think it's, dude, I mean, we've had situations where we've had delay in care for hours because of yeah. limited IV access and docs that are just uh, uncomfortable or unfamiliar with putting like, um, you know, EJ lines and things like that, right. you know. And the patient's definitely not a candidate for any kind of central, you know, right. access. So, like, you know, we just have, it just, they kind of fall into, like, this middle area where they're not quite emergent enough to be, to have anything done immediately. And they're not quite, not emergent enough to, you know, just be sent home with some PO medications without any kind of, you know, blood work or anything like that. So, I think that, I think that just having a program, like, an effective program or enough enough users that are actually like um adequate with the system can make a pretty huge difference you know yeah and that's probably where the necessity and you know the need of us to have this program came from is for the fact of how many times have we had a patient in the er wait for hours to right. get you know a ct scan of their chest mm -hmm. or you know they need a second line for you know a caustic medication or you know stuff like that where it's just like hey you can't have uh compatible me incompatible meds going through the same line so we need a second line or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, a huge thing becomes patient population, but even so, just the barriers of patient care, right? You have, you know, really obese populations now that are coming in or sickle cellers that people are in sickle cell crisis and, you know, they need their meds and you're just unable to get anything. And, you know, traditionally what it was is the EJ, but again, a lot of providers aren't as versed in that. It's kind of more of an EMS um, kind of trade as an EJ. 
mm-hmm. uh, as well as central lines or IO access, which, you know, is pretty, pretty drastic, especially for infection rates. When you talk about infection rates for hospitals, they all stay away from, you know, Foley's and uh, indwelling lines, like yeah. pick and lines, I mean, lines IO, and stuff I've never like seen that. anybody get an IO because of access alone. Right, and that's usually in the peds world more so, is if you uh, can get access in a kid, they'll, they'll drill them right away. Wow. Um, but, yeah, so the ultrasound kind of shines in that aspect, especially I think, you know, the hospital's kind of, uh, my hospital at least, has kind of seen that vision a little bit on uh, some of the meetings I've had with them. So they've gone through and started training. Um, so I'm gone through and training up the ICUs with, uh, you know, one lead person from their clinical staff. And then you just train like us, like you said, like a super user, and then they go out and spread it like a virus? Yeah, so pre- so currently what it is the, right now is the model is I will train a class usually with a super user. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing the lecture in the physical aspect. Uh, we have like a hands-on portion of the class. Um, and I'll train the super users and the normal people. And then um, train a super user to be in the class with me. I'll train everybody from the first time to their, you know, their super user kind of ship that they're doing. Um, and yeah, it's a pretty cool class, a couple hours, maybe if that, and we do a quick lecture portion. I usually teach with one of the physicians from work. We have five, I believe, physicians that are, uh, they've done an entire year of an ultrasound fellowship. Uh, so they're, they're like the true experts. So I've learned from them. I'm no expert by any means, but they're really the true experts and they, they teach the class with me and they're a really big asset. That's pretty dope, dude. Yeah. We need a program like that at this hospital that I'm at now. It's wild. It's like super duper busy. I like it. I like it. First right. of all, let me say that. It's like super duper busy, but uh, that's definitely an issue. It comes up all, all the time, dude. You know, IV access is like, it's, it's huge, man. It's a huge part of clinical, uh, clinical medicine. You I mean, should start doing, teaching that shit to other hospitals, man. That'd be dope. If I had the opportunity, that'd be great. Well, got to well, find people that are interested. What are your barriers? Um, I think typical bears is just tapping into that, uh, that market of, you know, why would we pay somebody, um, and just kind of establishing that need that a hospital has like, Hey, how many, you know, what's your patient population look like? How many people are, do you have as, uh, ultrasound users? Do you guys have a competency program? And then really the kind of triggers that, you know, kind of keep hospitals interested are, you know, infection rates, numbers, mm-hmm. money, and, um, patient safety. That's like the, those are like the key words. Those are like right. Those are like, those words. are like words that their ears will pop up. And like, what? Infection rate? What? Yeah. Do you right. guys have a lot of um, users on night shift? How many people are qualified to put in ultrasound lines at your hospital right now? Uh, at the hospital, I don't have a good number on the hospital. Um, but you're like a night shifter, just, right? In the ER. Right. So in the ER, I can tell you. So in the ER, on an average night, there's probably anywhere from two to three people that can insert. Um, some nights are better than others. Some nights we'll have five or six, um, you know, scattered across the mid shift and the night shift. Um, but some nights it's just me. You're just running around popping out, uh, ultrasound lines all over the place. Yeah. I mean, some nights I'll do none. And you know, the other night I did 12. And damn. So now do you feel like you're being like used and abused? You know how like when there's that one person that can like start all the lines, everybody just kind of like goes over and they're like, Hey, yeah, you know, that does kind of happen. I think people get deterred from, you know, patients saying, you know, oh, my heart's sick. Oh, I usually get ultrasound. You know, that really deters and, you know, brings down the confidence of a normal nurse or tech that wants to do it. Right. Um, to where they'll call me or, you know, they don't do their due diligence. They don't look at both arms, which, you know, it's fine. Um, if I have the time, I don't really mind doing it. But, yeah, I think there is some sort of use and abuse trait to that is, you know, training this many people to be, you know, the 
IV gurus, if you will, or like, you know, the more competent IV inserters, um, those people definitely get used and abused a little bit more. Hey, you work in the trauma bay over there, right? Uh, I sure do. Yep. You guys are level one responders. We are level one. Mm-hmm. What do they call it up there? They don't call it level one. They call it, um, pre- no, it's level one. Yeah. But when they call it over overhead, don't they, do they say anything? Oh, oh, no, that's... oh, so for the, um, the type of trauma it is, they will call it either a full or sorry, a full or modified. Right. Right. Full um, or modified. Yeah. Trauma activation is basically an unstable or stable. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's different everywhere you go. Right. I didn't know that. I, when I would just only worked in Florida, I just thought it was level one, level two trauma. That's it. But um, then I started working all the places, and Fairfax was the first place I saw that was uh, full or modified trauma. And then we went to GW, and it's uh, yellow trauma, yellow or trauma white. Hmm. Yeah, yellow. Yeah, we uh, we just we just went away from that. So we just had uh, a couple years ago used to be either code blue or code yellow. Okay. Which one it was? Blue being the full, yellow being the modified. Right. 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 Yeah, I didn't know that. I wonder why yeah. everybody changes that shit up. Sounds confusing as fuck. Yeah, it's confusing. I guess they went for, to like plain language and stuff. You know, these code names for whatever reason. Yeah, um, this hospital too. They do plain language, but then they still throw in some codes every now and then. So it's kind of like really cryptic. Right. You just gotta right. figure it out. You write it down. <laughs> yeah. Like, you is that a bomb threat or is it, it fucking <laughs> a baby being born? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows. Pretty much. Yeah, no, but um, how do you yeah, like it over absolutely. there? Absolutely, uh, I like it. I know um, the the hospital I'm at now has um, pretty. They you know they got their stuff together. There's a lot of resources overnight. They're one of the largest hospitals in the region, um, so busy. they really have their stuff together. They are very busy. Um, busy as fuck and high acuity. Busy with high acuity and you know it's tertiary care, so you know a lot of transfers are coming in. Um, so yeah. I like it a lot. They they you know they have their they have their issues, and I have my qualms with them like every hospital does. Qualms. But not a big deal. Uh, I like it yeah. for the most part. The no, I think uh, keeps me sane. I think we've we've almost worked at ten hospitals now. I think that's probably the busiest hospital with the highest acuity patients that we've seen. I mean, yeah. and at George Washington for sure, more traumas and more real bad traumas. Right. But just the, I mean, just the sick and dying, and and just the 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 volume of sick and dying people is wild. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, absolutely it's wild. wild for it not being, you know, an inner city hospital. I mean, right. it's a major metropolitan area, I guess, but again, it's not like, it's not LA County. It's not Detroit. It's not any of these big cities. Right. But yeah, it's fucking, it's a, it's a busy, sick hospital, bro. Yeah. It can get rocking and it can be dead. Like COVID, we, we didn't see anything. Like we were, we saw, you know, the, obviously the very sick COVID patients, but the volume plummeted. People yeah, were I think not treating the, the ER as, you know, primary care anymore. Yeah, I think that happened pretty much nationwide. Everywhere we right. went, at least, there was this huge slump. slump. Right. Huge. Yeah, I mean, outside of, you know, the major hotspot hubs like New York and Seattle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even those, I know I have traveler friends that worked there that worked half of their contracts and they were canceled. Right. Um, so I, I, I mean, think, there, there's all these stories about busloads of travelers coming up to New York for the COVID scare, and then they got canceled halfway through. They're like, yeah, just shipping them back. There. I have a good friend yeah. that went up there. Um, yep. He went to first. He went to Texas, uh, got canceled. Then he went to two different places in Cali, got canceled. Then in New York, canceled. But he's chasing these insanely high value contracts. You know, right? right, right. He's just like four thousand, five thousand dollar a week contracts. So yeah. those guys get canceled right away. But 
the point is I think that the, the, um, the volume at all the hospitals pretty much nationwide was pretty significantly impacted in a negative way, which is bad for us as travelers because it's really hard to find ER contracts now. Right. I mean, we have um, we have those friends in California now that, you know, they were scared. They, I mean, they keep getting put on call and canceled almost. Stuff yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. it's a real deal. Yeah, it really is, man. Um, it's, uh, so travelers are usually the first to go. Yeah, I know it sucks, but it's picking back up now. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's picking back up. Everybody's, uh, you know, kind of I feel like the whole COVID thing is kind of like fading out. Yeah, it's, a little bit. You know, Everybody's kind of scared for like a COVID 2.0, but I don't know. If I totally see it happening, yet. the COVID oh. flu hybrid, right? The, the perfect COVID storm. COVID flu hybrid, yeah. The the flu season's among us. Like we had our first couple of cases of flu uh, the other week at work. So yeah, it's we coming. did too. We had a couple positive flus. We had a guy that we for sure thought was COVID positive, like one thousand percent sure, and the doc just swabbed him for flu, and we were like, oh, like you don't think it's gonna be COVID? And he's like, I mean, the flu still exists, right? Maybe. Know? And he's like, and we were like, okay, whatever. And like, we're all doing precautions and shit. And sure enough, he was positive for flu B. Yep. Yep. Happens. I mean, we're seeing a lot of like COVID patients that are pretty, pretty okay. But again, they're just sitting at like 60, 70% on room air. And then, but you know, other than that, that's probably their sickest attribute their blood gas and stuff like that and their chest x-ray. Yeah. But as soon as you prone them, they'll pop back up. Yeah. Are they proning people like awake people there? Yeah, they'll, if you're able to prone, they'll just give them some tummy over. time. Yep, lots of tummy time. Yeah, I haven't seen. I don't know if it's where I'm at. Supposedly, Florida was supposed to be bad, and we came down here and we're like, "What the fuck are these people talking about, dude?" Yeah, but it's like uh, I haven't seen the. I mean, I think um, DC. We saw some sick ones in the ICU because we were we rotated ICU ER there, um, but I think that's the last group of really sick people that i saw i haven't seen i mean i've seen some positive people that are short of breath but a couple liters of oxygen and they're they're back up to you know normal right really really old folks um but i i feel like they would they probably would have that's probably how their lungs would have looked if it was covid or if it was flu or if it was whatever whatever seasonal bug they fucking decided to pick up you know what i mean did you see that new thing that they just did? Like the World Health Organization just advised against a lockdown as a means of stopping COVID-19. I did not see that yet. Yeah. Yes. And um, what else? Oh, the the statistics. The um, number of cases divided by the number of deaths, which is like the real statistics. But it doesn't, of course, like any of these like stats are, you, you always kind of got to take them with a grain of salt. Because right. it's like, you can make any statistic look any way you want, you know? Like you can make correlation without really true causal effect between two different variables. Right. But they say that the true death rate based on the number of reported cases worldwide and the number of reported deaths worldwide is at about the rate of the, the seasonal flu. Yeah. It keeps changing. Every, I mean that every month. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They're just learning so much. Everything um, just keeps going back and forth. I mean, it's a pain in I know. The ass. I know. Some of those numbers are probably skewed a little bit. I mean, we've had it at work. I've seen it firsthand. Where you know we've had a you know unknown respiratory arrest come in and you know turn into cardiac arrest. We work them and then that's it. And we're just like, okay, sounds good, done. I'm like, they don't do a little swabity swab, right? No swab. And you know we've swabbed people because they've turned into a Ross and they've recoded and they've canceled the swabs. Oh really? Yeah. 
So that goes against sketch. the whole conspiracy spookiness, right? Little little sketch on that aspect. Yeah, because like they're saying, you know, those people, they're those saying people. that like uh, hospitals get reimbursed more if it's COVID involved. Right. Right. So I why mean, wouldn't I did they see that? Give them a lot of poker? people. Right, and a lot of people were saying that you know hospitals are adjusting the amount of numbers that are popping out for COVID, or you know, repeat COVID patients were you know deemed as another patient. Yeah, the pandemic. Right. I seen it. I seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That stuff's fucking bullshit, dude. Like, <laughs> a lot of that shit is just bullshit. It's just like funny. I, I take it as like entertainment value, you know? Pretty much. Like, yep. I feel like it's a cool movie to watch, you know? I'm not going to not watch it. It's it's funny. Everybody right. talks about it. Yeah. You know? I would but, definitely uh, take that to a grain of salt, too. I think most of it's pretty. pretty yeah. I just like seeing how fucking creative people can get with this shit, dude. Dude, these conspiracy theories are off the charts. Seriously. Sometimes. I just found out about the QAnon thing. I had no idea what that was. What? There's a thing called QAnon, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, it's um, it's like a conspiracy theory group of people that like got together and they made like anonymous accounts, basically like saying that they're like. Uh, whistleblowing all of this weird pedophilia and there's a there's a thing called like if you look it up like hashtag pizza party like white house pizza uh-huh. party oh yeah i did see that where they you know they say the clintons order for a pizza party and yeah the kids yeah and they ordered yeah, like a yeah, hundred yeah. pizzas or some shit and, and they were like oh yeah it was like a big sex party with for a bunch of children or some shit yeah but yeah, then like right the prop the way that this caught traction apparently was like right after this happened like right after these like hocus pocus fucking fairy tale idiots posted this shit like the whole jeffrey epstein thing blew up damn so everyone's like wait a second like <laughs> right everybody's like uh what like what were you saying about the whole pedophilia ring again because right. kind of starting to look right now i love shit sense. like that though man this thing conspiracy theories make you think and they're like what if that's the best conspiracy theory the ones that make you really fucking wonder you know i feel like the people that make these conspiracy theories that's all they want mm-hmm. like all the 9-11 ones like, yeah just make you think they're just like ask the right questions where nobody truly has an answer to yet and yeah like, i saw well, the debunked i saw the 9-11 debunked thing on netflix okay. it had two stars out of five i was like why the f-? it was like literally this group of scientists that went because they were saying like jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to like right. melt steel, steel girders, yeah? yeah. And they're like, no, check it out, jet fuel on steel, melted right through. <laughs> and like the whole, the whole movie documentary was just them like knocking every claim, you know. Gotcha. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like right. they're fully debunking the shit out of all these dumbass conspiracy theories. Two stars on Netflix. People, people want conspiracies, man. I know, they like them. People want drama. It's entertaining. People love the drama. So yeah, so QAnon, the pandemic, dude, you know, the fucking, supposedly the QAnon thing says that Donald Trump is slowly taking out the, um, what is the, um, what is the, uh, the Illuminati, slowly ah. taking on the Illuminati and destroying their organization. He's like the hero of this group. Tight. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a that's that's a term I haven't heard in a long time. The Illuminati. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's Illuminati. like the that's the like original conspiracy theorists. I know, I dig it. I got one time on Instagram, I got a message from a guy that had the Guy Fox mask, you know, from yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. V for Vendetta, and uh, it goes, "You have been selected," and I was like, "Oh shit, dude!" Tight, you're like tight. I'm fucking in, dude. Yeah, that's right. all it takes. Just a DM. 
<laughs> I want to like message him back and be like, thank you, bro. What do I have to do next? Yeah, like, thank you, brother. What, who do I sacrifice? Who do I have to kill? Do you need goat's blood? Can it be a chicken? Yeah, no. I love shit like that, though, dude. Yeah, I get stinking. It's, it's, uh, it's entertaining at best. It's funsies. It is funsies. It is. It's Hold on. I'm going to crack this real quick. Yep. Oh. Nice Damn, you can't even reaction. have a drink right now because you have to go to work, huh? I, yeah, I sure do have to go to work. That's unfortunate. A little unfortunate. But. So for everyone that uh, wasn't listening because I paused the recording, uh, Imran got a call from an anonymous source on his phone. It wasn't anonymous. It was his work. Yeah, and it was they, not anonymous at all. <laughs> they told him, uh, hey, you know, remember when you were supposed to be working tomorrow and not today? He's like, yeah. And they're like, nah, fuck that. You were supposed to be working today, like an hour ago. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, He's like, oh, yeah. Well, fuck me, dude. Okay, I guess I'll be there. <laughs> guess I'll fucking show up. Yep. That sucks, dude. That's a little disappointing, but hey. That's a little disappointing. Good. You can get paid together. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Put in some ultrasound lines today. You told me that you were going to turn this into like a, a little hustle. Yeah, trying to, uh, you know, got some doctors uh, on board from work and, you know, got small little business plan. Just got to tap into the industry and, uh, you know, again, sell the topic of uh, who's going who's gonna to pay for a service when they actually already kind of do it. That's a tough one. The hard part. Right. That's, that's the tough part is getting people to spend money. Because they're going to be like, um, why the fuck can't I do this? Right. Why can't we do it? Why can't we have somebody in-house do it? I mean, that's always going to be the, the, you know, the topic of why should we bring somebody else in? But I think the, the best way to do it, obviously, is, you know, tapping into those doctors, having that year of, you know, ultrasound experience because they're truly the experts. I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means um, to kind of pitch that along with them and be like, hey, this will make your program better. Uh, and our, my claim to fame is the fact that, you know, I'm not looking to do this as a, hey, we're going to train you and then pay me again to train somebody else. Like, Three or four classes, and it will be self-sustaining. Yeah, we're gonna. You, you want to empower them, right? To right. train their own people. Absolutely, this is gonna be just them to be self-sustaining training program. Uh, right, because at the end of the day, the goal is just to help the patient. You know. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I think ultrasound has its uses. It's uh, abused a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't think. You know, if you came into the ER, I don't think you would need to get ultrasounded. Right. Uh, so I got this rock, rock and vascularity, bro. Right. Because I hit the motherfucking <laughs> gym, pipes. Imran. Those pipes. Actually, I took a month off the gym, dude. Yeah. When I say a month, I mean like a year. <laughs> like all of COVID. <laughs> all of COVID. I swear to God. All of COVID. Um, when they shut the gym down, yeah. So no more yeah, pipes. I mean, once, yeah, I mean, I got sick and I stopped going to the gym. I've recently just gotten back into it. Yeah, it's tough, dude. It's, it's tough. tough getting back. It sucks when you like look around and everyone's way more swole than you. Yep. And you're like, God damn, this sucks. God damn, what, what gym did you hit? I know, like, what the fuck were you doing, asshole? Right, See those drinking. guys and they're just like all juiced up, steroided up? Yep, I was just drinking beer, playing, playing COD. Playing Call of Duty, Scotty bro. P. Like a normal person. I'm yep. fucking sitting at home, quarantining like a responsible fucking citizen. Meanwhile, these assholes are somehow getting their workouts in like irresponsible douchebags. Somehow getting juiced. So really, they think they're swole, but it's really just a badge of dishonor, dude. I agree. That's what it is. It's like, hey, <laughs> you're an irresponsible douchebag. No one likes you. Right. You probably don't wear a mask. You probably, yeah. You probably fucking don't even wear a mask. You probably don't even protect my grandma. Yep. Yeah. You got to protect your grandparents, Imran. It's, it's weird, though. I mean, like, I went, to, uh, I went to South Carolina pretty recently, you know, was pretty COVID friendly. You know, we, we isolated and stuff like that, but just took a little trip to the beach. And um, it's weird. Different states do different things. Like, 
I went out in South Carolina. I was in Charleston. And, um, yeah, guaranteed nobody's wearing masks in grocery stores. Like, mm-hmm. real it's thing. a lot of those states. Uh, Florida does that too. Some, I mean, Florida is the first state to completely shut the whole, cancel the whole lockdown thing. Yeah. Yeah. So every all the businesses are supposed to be open 100. percent But Broward and Dade County, the major population centers, said, uh, "No, fuck that. We're going to continue right. what we were doing." But apparently you're not allowed to uh you're not allowed to find people anymore for not wearing masks. Gotcha. Yeah. So we're one of those. We're one of those asshole states. Yeah, uh, yep. Yep. I'd be curious to see what the numbers are. You know, it's hard to tell because apparently we are uh, we're really bad at counting things in Florida. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that from the 2016 and 2012 elections. Uh correct. But um also uh we were like sending all of our covid samples to apparently some lab. And that lab was given as a 100% positive rates right back for like every swab we sent. So we're sending like confirmed negative people and we're getting positive. positive. Yeah. Tight. I actually know someone that got a positive swab, totally healthy, and got two negatives after that. And it kind of sucks because like it's a fucking painful experience getting this, this swab, dude. Sure is. And once you get one positive, like you can't go back to work until like for this particular individual, they couldn't go back to work until they got two negative swabs. Right. So two more painful events. Of, yeah, yeah. And a doctor's appointment and missed work. All cause some fucking asshole lab couldn't get their shit together. I agree. It's tough. That's Florida though, baby. That's Florida. I mean, 2020 has been hell of a year. It really has. It really has. All went downhill from Kobe. You know, one good thing that happened in 2020. What's that? Dr. Squatch just released their new chalky milk fucking soap, and that shit is glorious. The chalky milk. Dude, I'm not even kidding. It's fucking glorious. It has chunks of, like, chocolate in it. Huh. Isn't that weird? I like their, I like their soap. Their soap's dude, good. Dude, it's dope. Soap's good. I'm going to have to send you a bar, dude. Yeah. What flavor do you want? Surprise me. Really? Yeah. I might send you a chalky milk, dude. Send me a chalky just milk. Just so we can do a product review. Yeah, absolutely. So when you open it, it's like, you know, chocolate colored and you smell right. it and it smells like fucking chocolate. And then like when you're washing, it has like these little chunks in it. And you're like, what are mm-hmm. these little exfoliating chunkies? I think they're pieces of chocolate, dude. I'm huh. not sure. And I don't want to get yelled at for it. But I think it's chocolate, dude. And it feels amazing on your skin. I like their soap. I mean, I've tried their soap before. It's pretty good. Which on flavor? My own money. Which, uh... I don't, I, it was like pine or something. Oh, pine tar. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. It was a pine tar. Um, yeah. That's yeah. like their most popular one. Yep. That was, that was back, you know, no money, no money in this review, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they were pretty good. I liked them. Yeah. I never tried them until they hit me up for my right. Instagram page. And then, um, they hit me up for the, for the podcast and honest to God, like I love their fucking soaps, man. I feel like shit when I don't have Dr. Squatch soaps in my underneath my sink. I do. I'm like, what kind of soap? I'm use these like chemically ass fucking weirdo shit. Like yep. I have this like equate shit I got from Walgreens. That's like my backup. Yeah, it's the not backup good, travel one. It's, it's not good. It's not. Yeah, look out for the all the aluminum and the Illuminati and the aluminum and the aluminum. Yeah, I mean, how's your how's your hunting going? So you got a brand new bow? Oh, dude, I did. I got a I got a brand new bow. I just bought a brand new, like a, like a rocket launcher, off a fucking rifle. Dude. Oh, the rifle! I saw the new, I saw the new hunting rifle. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It's like a fucking elephant gun. You know, I got inspired by the show Meat Eater on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. He he shoots that gun. 
And wow. I was like, dude, I got to get this shit, man. He shoots I mean, like he's shooting everything. down monstering elk. Like, I know. Moose, well, everything. see, that's my goal, though. I want to, I want to, my bucket list is I want to shoot a, uh, a mule deer in Utah. Yep. I want to shoot a moose in fucking British Columbia. And I want to shoot an elk anywhere. Anywhere there. Alaska. Available. Alaska. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, he shoots that gun. He, he, he talks about it. It's a good gun, man. It's a huge bullet and has yeah. a, a, a hell of a kick. But right, it's it's uh, gets the job done. Um, yeah, realistically, I mean, when you want a humane kill, right? You want one shot, right? Quick. So it is quick, easy, not getting back up. Absolutely, straight down. Me and my buddy were putting in for a um, a lottery tag for a black bear tag in Alaska. Oh wow! Hopefully, hopefully for next fall. A lot. You have to do a lottery for bears in Alaska. I think it's yeah. I'm almost positive it's a lottery for the black bear tag. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. You think that they have so many damn bears up there that they're just like, do it. Go yeah, for Alaska's, it. Alaska's the last frontier, though, man. Yeah. I was just it's watching the these like place. Um, encounters, like wild encounters on Discovery Channel. Yeah. And uh, there was like multiple people getting mauled by bears. That was like yeah. a theme of the show. So be careful. Absolutely. Black yeah. bear would be cool. Um, you did you hear about rogue. that dude? Where was that dude in Montana who he wrestled a um, mountain lion by himself? He, he really wrestled by, a mountain lion? He, he got attacked by a mountain lion on a hillside, like put it, like wrestled it, put it in a chokehold, killed the mountain lion, and then dragged it back to camp no fucking to, way. Show, to show the, um, uh, the park ranger. Be like, I didn't just kill him. He literally attacked me. He choked him out? Yeah. Like he put him in like a rear naked choke. And what was this fucking Randy his Couture dude? Uh, yeah. Who the fuck is this guy? Just put a mountain lion in a chokehold? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google this shit. Hang on. <laughs> is he guillotine choke right, him? What was the technique? Right now. Uh, man chokes. I feel like a guillotine would be like the appropriate chokehold for that situation. Uh, I don't know. I think a rear naked choke. Just Yeah, so he literally. Just wrapped him in I type in man chokes out. First thing comes up, mountain lion. Colo- uh, he's in Colorado. Excuse me, not Montana. Colorado runner recounts choking mountain lion to death after being attacked. <laughs> this is awesome. He said, literally, to break free, wild officials said he choked an animal to death. He was running by himself on a Monday afternoon uh, when the mountain lion jumped down from a tree. Holy fuck. And did he, yeah, what did he nope. do? Did he, an, like... It was an 80-pound mountain lion. Oh, that's kind of a soft-ass bitch mountain lion, but whatever. It's kind of soft. I mean, 80 pounds, though. The, the young lion bit the runner's face and wrist, but he managed to break free and kill the lion. The mountain lion bites him in the face. Face and wrist. What does he and do? He snaps him off and then fucking twirls it around? I guess, or you just got behind it somehow and just chokes it out and drags its like lifeless body to camp or something. Did he kill it or did he just? Yeah, like... he killed it. So he choked it until it was dead. Honestly, me too. Probably. If I if I had the opportunity to choke a mountain lion that's attacking me, I'd probably would wait until yeah. it stopped moving at least. I know you'd be like, I'd be holding it, I, and then at one, at some point in time, I know the thought would run through my mind of, I'm I'm fucking immortal. Like that, yeah, nothing I mean, that can dude, kill me. That is a goddamn beast. I, I mean, just fucking choked out a mountain lion. I'm gonna be famous. I'm probably gonna write a book about it. Oh, guarantee there's gonna be a book. Yeah, guarantee. You know the guy that like chopped his arm off in the fucking. Yeah, he sawed it off in the wilderness. Yeah, this guy for tra- sure. What was it this, in a bear trap or something? Mountain lion guy. If you don't fucking write a book or something about this shit, then you're an idiot, bro. It's a missed opportunity. Well, it's like what, what is that movie? Um, with the with the bear mauling the guy's like face gets like mauled off by a bear. Oh yeah. Um, what the fuck was that? Um, it was it uh, Leonardo DiCaprio that was. Yeah, in? DiCaprio. Yeah, in it? yeah, yeah. He won a Grammy. That was like or, uh, yeah, Oscar. Was, that was like his, his first, first one. Right. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, wow, about time. Um, but yeah, 
we'll look forward for a mountain lion movie soon. Yeah, I can't wait to see that shit. It'll be, it'll be a short film. <laughs> yeah. But in all reality, I, hunting is like one of those things where like uh, it's kind of a touchy subject for some people, you know? Absolutely. Guns, too. People Absolutely. are uncomfortable around guns. My son, I had, uh, I take him shooting, you know, often. And he was talking about it in his school. And they called his mom. And they're like, listen, you can't talk about shooting right, guns. You can't be talking about guns at school. Yeah. And I'm like, but why? Like, <laughs> what did he say? And then they told me that he said that his dad takes him to the shooting range. Right. And, like, we shoot the AR-15, you know? Right. And that's, like... The assault rifle 15. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, like, a no, no, no. <laughs> you know, like, and I, I was just, like, okay, like, all right, well, I'll tell him not to talk about it at school anymore. But, I mean, like, in reality, they, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's... He's, right. he's not he's telling anyone he's going to shoot them. He's just talking right. about something that a lot of people enjoy in this country, you know? Right, and then it just stems from that, you know, political touchy factor of, you know, mm -hmm. school shootings and guns in general, the gun violence that's happening in America and so on and so forth. I understand, that, I understand any it. Any link. I understood it, I understood the, I'm not one of those people that's going to be like, you know, my right. Second Amendment, First Amendment. No, I mean, like, I get it, it's a sensitive subject, and so I had a conversation with them, you know, this is a sensitive subject, you don't really talk about it with some people. <laughs> but no, um, they're usually just misinformed. I think that's what it's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Uh, people think that it's these things just have like a life of their own and they're going to go around murdering people aimlessly. And right. what I really think my, from what I've, um, understood and seen and what I've been exposed to in healthcare, out of healthcare, it's just that it's a more of a mental health issue than, and I think that's a broader issue in, in our culture these days. You know, Absolutely. it's something that has like a huge stigma attached to it. It's difficult to talk about publicly. For it's, sure. You know, there aren't a lot of resources available for people struggling. There are yeah, more I mean, now. We see, I mean, we see it firsthand in the ER. Yeah. I mean, how many like, Baker Acts or you guys, what do you call it? You don't call them Baker Acts there. TDOs. TDOs. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's essentially the same thing. A 72 hour right. hold for a psychiatric harm to self or others. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, in the ER, we're so, so, so exposed to that kind of stuff. You know? So exposing it, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a real, it's not handled very correctly 90% of the time. I mean, the resources yeah. are physically there, sure, but the access to them is not a great system. No, I mean, the system's terrible. You like, see patients that, that like are just petrified of going back to these facilities, you know? Yeah, I like, mean, because it, it's, it becomes a same thing, right? If, hey, I'm sad. I, you know, I've had some thoughts of, you know, hurting myself, whatever it might be the person's story is. We're going to be like, all right, we're going to take your clothes, put them in this bin. We're going to make you change into this, you know, hospital gown or whatever. That's fine, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a different color. You're going to be in this room with somebody watching you, and you're just going to sit there. And then especially after hours, we, again, we don't have the, we have psychiatric liaisons that, you know, are the middle link between the psychiatrist and the patient. Mm -hmm. um, but after, uh, after hours, they're on basically a big Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. They're on this big computer. Uh, which is very impersonable. I mean, I can't even imagine being in that part of my life where, you know, I'm that, you know, having a mental breakdown, whatever it might be. You're in be, a crisis. You know? Right, you're in a crisis. You're in a very mm -hmm. fragile state of mind to be like, hey, we don't really care about you that much. Talk to this computer instead. Yeah, that's kind of uh, fucked like, up. That's, yeah, I mean, that's just insult, adding insult to injury. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, like some of these people, like you said, are so scared to go back to the facilities because, again, a per like a, say a 19-year-old girl that's sad or a 19-year-old boy that's sad, 
will go sit in the same institution that this guy that just like burnt down a family of 10 will be in. Right. Like it's just not the same thing. Yeah. It's a systemic failure. It's a, it's a breakdown. Absolutely. It's, and it's, it's broken in so many locations on, yep. on this, this line of uh, sick patient to recovered patient, you know, yep. so many breaks and it's just real, real tough. And there's not enough resources. There's not enough um, hands in the pot really coming up with a better system. You know, there's, Correct. we and, have and, some and of the greatest minds from... in the world in this country, and we can't figure out how to take care of our sickest people. Yeah, I mean, you I know? think it comes from how many years that people didn't really believe that, you know, mental health issues were actually an issue. They were just like hardening right? up, stiffen up, right? Yeah, toughen up, um, yeah. I mean, you talk about all this PTSD and stuff like that, we're usually... You know, men are most of the, <clears throat> what, make up most of the numbers of suicide victims. Yeah. Um, but seek the least amount of mental health help. I mean, yeah. same thing, right? It stems from that. It's just like, it just wasn't a cultural thing up until years ago. Yeah, they used to think it was temporary. They used to think that PTSD was like something that they suffered for like uh, just a brief period of time after the insult. So they used right. to call it like shell shock, you know? Right, right. And they like has have since changed the name, you know, but still that's just telling on uh, the level of understanding that they have for these conditions in the first place. Right. You know, it's pretty so fucked it's up. broken. Hopefully it gets better. Um, yeah. At the end of the day from ours, from my standpoint, it's not, it's not the weapons that do the, the injuring. It's the, the, the disease minds, Yep. you know, and the no real resources, man, I, just the movie, the, the Joker movie, you know, like that's just a perfect example, you know. Yep. You got a really sick guy, and you got resources, half-hearted resources available from people that are so burnt out in their field that they really don't give a fuck, you know. And then you have him using or trying to use the resources because he knows he's sick, and just a systemic failure after systemic failure, total breakdown, mental fucking collapse, and then. You know, yeah, just full blown psychosis. Total, yeah, so full blown psychosis and break and violence. Yeah. yeah, and that's just like the perfect example of the patients that we see every single day working in the emergency department. Yep. You know, and yep. it's hard. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's yeah, it's hard to sit back and watch. I mean, especially I don't think the ER for ninety percent of these you know um, mental health issues that come in should be in the ER. I mean. I mean, we get burnt out by seeing them, not because we don't want them to get help, but because of the fact that the resources aren't there and they're mixed in with these medical patients and we don't have the training. Yeah, and I mean, we feel helpless nine, too. Right. I'd say you know? a majority of ER nurses don't have any mental health training yeah. to be able to facilitate them or understand where it is, you know, medications and stuff like that to where, you know, I feel like they need to go to a different part of the ER to actually be physically taken care of better. Yeah. There are some ERs that have psychiatric ERs. Right. separated from the main facility yep. and they have psych nurses that staff those. Right. But you know, even psych nurses, I mean, they're just part of the system that has already failed. Right. And it's a, it's unfortunate, but we need to do more work. Yep. As a country, we need to do more work to help these, to help this vulnerable population. You right. Know? And you know, one of my buddies actually working like that. He's a, he's a police officer here in Northern Virginia. Uh, and you know, he suffers from mental health issues and stuff like that. So he's coming out with a, uh, an Instagram and a kind of a community reach out program too that, you know, maybe he'll come on the podcast and talk about that sometime. Yeah, I'd love to have him, man. That's, that's truly like, that's, that's one of, 
I feel like that's one of the best things that we can do with, with whatever platform that we have. That's like something that has like, um, kind of like worked its way into my kind of conscious mind, you know, that yeah. I, I didn't really fully observe it when I started off as a nurse. Uh, but kind of seeing the way that different hospital systems handled their psychiatric population and seeing friends be that I, I, for all intents and purposes, you know, observe them as being absolutely, um, well, seeing them turn sick, you know, and, uh, seeing what that has done to them and their family. It's kind of like really brought me really close to this particular cause. I would love to have that guy. I would love to have the guy on the show. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I would love to shout it out, man, because that's something that's tough. And it, uh, you don't think it's going to affect anyone that you know or love, but the reality is it, it touches, illness touches everybody, man. Right. You know, I mean, same thing with COVID, cancer, mental health is no different, right? Nobody mm-hmm. thinks it can happen to them or their family until it does. Until it does, and then you're right in the middle of it, you know? Right. And, and you wish, you know, you did something or the system did something better. Yeah, you have, it, it, it's like your family member has sepsis, you know, you know exactly what the protocol is. You're, you're knocking it out. You're, you start with a really shitty uh, outcome and mortality rate and we have taken steps as a as a country as a system and healthcare to mitigate the losses uh from that particular disease and we've gotten it so broken down to a system this timed meticulously fucking honed machine you know way that we handle these patients that we have like drop severely like improve the outcomes for patients that are diagnosed with sepsis right they all just meet this matrix and you know if this then that and it works out great yeah exactly but you don't see those protocols enacted when it comes to psychiatric ill like absolutely psychiatrically ill patients it's really shitty because we've already we've we've we're so familiar with these diseases we're we're so like like intimately involved with these diseases but we haven't come up with these protocols it's wild you know right most of them are just like safety based you know and honestly i feel like it's just because there's not a ton of money in it for the hospital right psychiatric care again i mean not a lot of it's covered by insurance unfortunately a lot of people i know that want to go see therapists and stuff like that just talk about their days and stuff they're like yeah i do one session every two months because that's all i can afford i'm like that's shitty yeah i have a buddy that that does therapy he's in recovery he's been in recovery for like 15 years um from like narcotics you know and he is I had no, when I first met him, I had no idea he was in recovery ever. Right. Uh, he just seemed like just the just normalest dude in the world, you know? Like I right. met him through. Any normal guy. Right. Any normal, any normal guy. I met him through jujitsu, became really close friends with him, told me his whole life story. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, dude. But he says that he preaches for therapy, dude. He's like, even, he's like, Scott, dude, you need therapy, bro. You don't think you do, but you do. He's like, go to a therapist, <laughs> talk to him for an hour. Tell me you don't feel a million times better after you leave that place. Right. And he's he's right, dude. He's like everybody needs this shit. They need it as much as they need antibiotics when they're sick. Right. But, you know, you just don't have the resources available because it's sad. But it's like if a person dies of sepsis in the hospital, the hospital gets dinged. Right. They get re- less reimbursements. Person dies from a UTI from a fucking uh, indwelling catheter that's been in for too long. Hospital gets reimbursed dinged. less money. Right. Dinged. Huge ding. But nobody gets dinged on, you know, the, the psych patient that got TDO'd and got released and comes back as, you know, a code. Comes, comes back 14 times and ends up fucking killing somebody or killing himself. Right. No nobody hospital ding there, baby. Right. Nobody will bat an eye at that. And why nobody will bat an eye. It's financial gain at that point. Hospital it's, systems are huge. It's fucked up, dude. Yeah. It's fucked, it's fucked up. up. But that's there the, needs to be a way where someone... Right now. 
Yeah, man. There needs to be a way where someone can like financially incentivize this shit, dude. You know, I mean, it sounds bad right. because like I feel like you know nurses and hospital staff members, physicians, EMTs. I feel like we're already they throw so much shit at us. Like everything's your fault, you know. But like right. they need to make this one of those things. I think where it's like. It's your yeah. fault. You know, if something happens to this, like fucking drinking and driving, bro. I used to bartend. Yeah. And if I overserve somebody in the state of Florida, they get super wasted and go fucking drive and crash a car. I can be held responsible for that. Right. Which is wild. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's going to stop me from fucking serving that person alcohol if they're wasted. Right. It's going to stop you from, you know, overpouring your drinks or just dumping drinks at people for financial gain. And um, even if I wanted to, I could get fired for doing it. Right. So... Something like that, man. Something I, didn't like say, that. I mean, it comes down like, do, do I promote giving people tickets? No. But at the same time, why do I not speed on the highway? Because I don't want any tickets, right? Yeah, I, don't get tickets. I don't have like millions of dollars sitting in the bank where I'm just like, oh, you know, I'll pay this $250 fine, you know, amongst it being dangerous. Yes. But, yeah. you know, I think that's probably the number one deterrence is the fact that people are scared of getting in trouble for financial reasons most times. Yeah. And it um, creates a culture of just a safer environment. But the fear in their minds, dude. Right. It's all about fear. We learned anything about 2020. Scare society into doing the fucking right thing, dude. Yep. That's what we did with COVID. Keep them, keep them in line. Freak them out, dude. Tell them you're going to kill your grandma. <laughs> yeah, if you don't wear a mask. That shit will get them. Every TikTok Ryan nurse and fucking TikTok said that, and I believe you, them. Yeah. It's TikTok nurses, man. They're out there. There's a new thing. There's a new trend going on TikTok where you're doing CPR. The nurse is doing CPR like this in the screen. If anyone can't see me right now, my face is going really far and really close, really far and really close. Like I'm doing CPR to the screen and they're like stethoscopes hanging down and their hair is like falling and they're putting like, <laughs> they're putting like some, uh, some sentimental message on the fucking thing. Yep, like yep. You're, you're the last face I'm going to see before I die. <laughs> and she's like doing a thing and there's like music in the background. It's like, do, 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 and it's just like this stupid fucking yeah, the like, heartbeat from the monitor. Yeah. The flatline noise. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Gotta love it. Uh, Gotta love this TikToks. Yeah, man. I follow Everybody this page. Everybody thought those were going to go away, man. Everybody thought TikToks were a thing of the past in a minute. Oh, man, it's going to go. Vine did the same thing, dude. It had its run. Vine, Vine did the same thing. I don't know. TikTok, another huge social media platform. Plus, Oracle just bought them. Oracle did? Is it? Is yeah, that Oracle's who? the American partner, right? Papa Trump said somebody had to buy them or he was right, going to kick them out. Yeah, I don't think Microsoft got him. I think it was Oracle. What is Oracle? Oracle's just, I don't know, it's another government agency, I thought. Um, let me see. It's a government agency? Well, they're government contractors. Okay. They do a lot of, like, satellite stuff, I think. Uh, let's see. Are they fucking spying so, on us, dude? Yeah, probably. Well, let's don't see. doubt Oracle. It. Yep, the Oracle TikTok deal. Yeah, so they stopped the, uh, the potential U.S. ban. So Oracle will become TikTok's secure cloud provider to host the U.S. user data. So that's what, that's what Papa Trump was all mad about was the fact that uh, it's a Chinese-made company. So he's like, all oh, this American data is being sent over to China. So they, were data, like, they were data mining in the United States. Right. I mean, it, I mean, we already know people data mine, right? We'll talk about something right now. Um, you know, we'll talk about ultrasounds and shit like that and guarantee on Instagram later. I'm scrolling I'll get through an, ad. an ultrasound page. Yep, an ad will come up. You're like, are you interested in ultrasound guided IVs? I don't know why I asked right. that question. I just had a feeling. Right, it just, yeah, I had random thoughts. I like to just like confuse Instagram's algorithm. Like it'll be like, it'll be something I'm really interested in and it'll be like this new camo or something and I'll click and I'll be like, I'm not interested in this. Don't show me any more ads like this. They're like, what? And then I'll click like 12 more fucking camo pages. Instagram's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Mind is like blowing up. 
breaking yeah, the fucking the, algorithm. The servers out there are just melting. My personal CIA spy is like, what the fuck's this guy up to right now? Right, our CIA spy that's the FBI that's watching our Zoom meeting right now. Yeah, they, I got the camera pointed right at my face. They can see me. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck? Every now and then I like to do like a little little, little eyebrow nod. Like, hey, what's up, bro? Like, hey, what's up, bud? <laughs> just because I know he's back there like in his fucking secure van. Just like, whoa, he sees me. Those those memes crack me up. Yeah. Just like, you say some <laughs> crazy shit in your FBI meetings. Just like, oh, yeah, head melting. Yeah. It's awesome. Hell yeah, man. Well, you got to go but, to work, huh? Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna shower and go to work at this point. That sucks, dude. It's all good, man. I'll another, be there tomorrow. Another day though. in life. Another day in life, fucking saving lives. Something like that. Shitting pants. Work. Yep. Remember that lady we had walked to the bathroom? <laughs> I think about that on a daily basis at work. Oh, I totally forgot about that, man. So good, man. All right, let's so end good. that. Let's end it with that. We're gonna tell the story. We're tell, gonna end it with the story, story time. Set, set the scene. So Amron and I are working in Virginia. And there's a patient. She's an older lady. We won't Sweet identify lady. her because we don't want to violate any HIPAA privacy laws. Right. Sweet lady. Sweet old lady. And she told us that she needed to use the bathroom. So Imran, being the good guy that he is, went over to try to assist her to the bathroom. I forget. Was I helping her first? And then you like so came. So it was like um, for some reason she was in the stretcher and we were going to either CAT scan. We are doing something. She was like in route. She was like, I need to use the restroom. Mark. Sure. You know, why not? We'll bathroom was right the there. Bathroom. Bathroom right. Was in the right corner there. bathroom, we're like, yeah. we'll help. Like, do you feel okay to wash? Like, yeah, just help me. Scotty mm-hmm. and are like, whatever. She's in a mm-hmm. hospital gown. Not a big deal. Everybody right. uses the bathroom. So then, uh, yep, yeah, get this nice little lady up. Starts walk her, walking. Start walking into the bathroom. She goes, I really got to go. We're like, we're almost there. We're, we are steps maybe away. Six, like six steps away from the bathroom door. Yeah. And me and Scotty look down and there are sure just reindeer droppings. <laughs> Just Falling. a perfectly formed fucking turd, dude. Yep. Just one perfectly. F- and then you follow, you follow the woman. You see the turd. Two, two, three more steps. You look up at the woman, the line of sight from the turd to the woman. And you see another little mm-hmm. nugget dropped on right. the ground. Yep. Getting ready. And- like she's like, um, what's the, what's the, the fucking Goldilocks? The one that's like fucking dropping the breadcrumbs everywhere she goes. Uh, is that Goldilocks? I don't know which one. Uh, it's a fucking fuck. fairy tale. Whatever. Anyways, it's like yeah, she's fucking drop, dropping breadcrumbs, fucking little nuggets of turds all the way to the fucking bathroom. Sweet lady. And then she, she gets on the toilet and it. she's like, I don't have to go anymore. We're like, yeah, no shit, bitch. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Great time. Uh, that, was, that was Scotty P's and I's last moments together. That was, dude. Oh, this was the end of the contract. Yeah, that was a good way to go out. That was funny. That would forever go down. Yep. And then me and Scotty became housekeepers later that day. J- yep. <laughs> Scooping shit. He, he knew he wanted a puppy, so. Yeah. He just got. He's a bag. Practice. Right there. Yep. Right there. Just flip the bag inside out. For all those people, this is a PSA for you. Everybody who goes to visit family members in the hospital, if you sleep on the floor in the ER, you remember this story. Yeah. Don't get fuck, off the floor. Get off the fucking floor. Get off the fucking floor. I see people, they like walk with their, they take their shoes off and Barefoot. shit. Barefoot. Oh. I'm like, hey man, let me get you some socks. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, oh no, God. yeah, dude. You, you want you socks. You don't want to know. It's, it's disgusting. Yep. There's human shit on the floor. Literally, he's been probably every single bodily fluid on the floor. You can't see he's it. Dudes, but it's there. dude's pissing trash cans. Like, yeah. Fucking GW. Some dude, some dude fucking pisses in one of those little urinals, those plastic ones. Yep. And fucking nobody would pay attention to him because he was a crazy asshole. And he fucking takes the urinal and chucks it. And the, um, the docs and the nurses sit together. <laughs> And this thing called the dog bone. 
there. Yeah. It's like this dog bone shaped desk, long desk. And everybody sits in the same zone. So this fucking urinal full of piss just goes flying across the goddamn dog bone, dude. Everybody's That's like, what wild. the fuck? Yeah, That's so don't wild. fucking sleep on the floor, man. Put your shoes on. And uh, don't be an asshole to hospital staff. Don't be an asshole to hospital staff. Help your friends out. If someone wants to talk to you, they seem depressed, listen to them, bro. Even just if they don't seem out. depressed, man, reach out to your friends. Make sure your friends are good. COVID, yeah. COVID put a long... Uh, Long damper on people's uh, mental health here. So, you know, reach yeah. out to your friends. Make sure people are good. If you haven't talked to somebody in, you know, months and years, just reach out. Let them know you're still there. Reach out. Talk to your bros. And um, check out Dr. Squatch's new fucking flavor, dude. Dr. I know I'm not supposed to call it a flavor, but I like to call it a flavor because it looks like it tastes good. Chalky milk, baby. Chalky milk. So like chalky, chalky lab. Chalky milk. Got a lot Dumb. of chalky things going around here, bro. A lot of chalky. A lot of chalky. But anyways, thanks for uh, tuning in. And Imran has to go because he has to go to work. Um, if you guys like what you hear, make sure you give us a like and five stars on iTunes. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, the link for Spotify is in my in my uh, my bio. Check out our Instagram page, uh, the Broners Podcast, for sweet memes, content. And whatever bullshit we decide to put up there. Uh, <laughs> and make sure you check out Dr. Squatch Soaps one more time. Use code BROWNERS for 20% off your fucking purchase. Thanks for stopping by, Imran. Of course. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, of course, dude. All right, guys. Adios. Peace.